Hey there, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to the MSI podcast. Today, we are joined by Technical Director Lisa Wallace. Lisa, how's it going? It's great. We are up here in Michigan where it is damp and cold, and I'm hoping our listeners have a much warmer venue than I do at the moment. Yeah, but it's only going to be cold for the next uh, 12 months, right? Right. (laughs) Michigan has two seasons, winter and construction. Yeah, there you go. Well, um, you know, as we come up on the holidays, um, you know, I, I, you know, I've noticed that you've been putting out some uh, very good content on the blog and really what I wanted to dig into and what we want to really chat more about with our listeners and have a conversation around is this concept around business email compromise. And I know that this is a space that you have experience around for those listeners that might be tuning in that are new. Can you talk to us a little bit about what business email compromise is and, and why it is especially relevant in this day and age? Um, business email compromise is the number one attack vector for businesses at this point. Um, there are several ways attackers can come in. The most common is phishing, and we see a lot of it in the holiday season. Um, I have seen a lot of fake invoices this time of year. Everybody's busy. Their email boxes are overflowing because of all the ads. Please come buy our stuff. And it's very easy to say, oops, your Amazon package should have been delivered today. Here's a FedEx notification. Click to reschedule. You enter your email, your password. Now you've just given away some credentials. Um, We see something very similar in business spheres. End of year stuff. Click here. Take your survey. Win a gift card. Um, A lot of spoofed invoices come in this time of year, knowing that accounts payable people are swamped. And what they're looking for is keys to the kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, especially working with, you know, both small and medium-sized businesses to, to large organizations, we definitely see that this scales across organizations of different sizes, um, organizations that work in different sectors. When you start to talk about the different differences between, you know, corporations and, you know, those in healthcare, et cetera, you know, you, you touched on a few pieces there and, and some use cases for business email compromise and what some of these cyber criminals are trying to do. What are some of the actual negative consequences that some organizations have essentially taken a hit on as a result to being victims to business email compromise? Uh, Business email compromise can be anything from we've seen wire fraud in the financial space, people getting in and getting enough information to actually spoof what appears to be a legitimate wire fraud transfer. Um, We see a lot of organizations that are working with cloud services or something like an Office 365. They get in, they get credentials. Think about what you put on your SharePoint site. Think about if they get the proper person's email. What they're looking to do is harvest the emails. You may not even know they're there, particularly in an Office 365 or AWS compromise. What they're looking to do is harvest your data and see what they can use for attacks going forward. They're also very patient. You may not see those attacks immediately. It may be three, six, nine months down the road before that information is leveraged. Wow. So, so you know, essentially what you're saying is some of our listeners might be subject to business email compromise right now and not even know it, right? So, uh, I would, know, so, sometimes there's a latency there. I would suspect that some of them have been compromised and don't know it at this point. Wow. And, and you you see that with, you know, a certain degree of prevalence. Is this quite common or is this, you know, a worst case scenario situation? I mean, uh, you know, how, how frequently have you been seeing this? Um, we are seeing business email compromises are number one incident response engagement at this point. 
somehow the system has been gotten in and probably 85 to 90 percent of the time, at least one of the attack vectors has involved email, either phishing, malware, password reuse. Um, someone's been involved in a breach and they've reused their password or they've reused a variation of their password. It doesn't matter if I use my dog's name in 2017 and it was part of a breach. The attacker this year is going to go look that up and go, gee, it's 2018. Change that number and you'll be in. And a lot of these passwords do meet the password complexity requirements that is just looking for a combination of letters, numbers, and symbols, but they're still easily guessable based on patterns that were in previous breaches. Right. And at the end of the day, you're only as strong as your weakest link. It only takes one person, uh, one weak password. So understand the the gravity there as well as the prevalence of it. So, you know, I guess first things first, organizations that are looking to secure themselves against business email compromise, you know, what, what do you recommend? What, what's the first step here? Well, what we're doing is putting together a series of blog posts based on a business email checklist that Brent Houston put together. And what we've done is we've taken the various controls and the various actions that organizations can take, and we've mapped those to the NIST model. So you can get an idea of what you should do in what order, where it maps to the maturity of your organization, and you'll be matching some best practices for NIST at the same time. I see. So it, it, it's a series and certainly will release podcast episodes in, in alignment with the series. What what would you say is the, the first step in the process? Well, the first step that we've corresponded to NIST is the identify bullet. Um, this is basically finding out what you have and where it is. Um, you're going to identify and catalog any authentication portal, anything that is externally facing that an attacker could use. Let's say you did have employees that were involved in a breach that can use variations of those emails and passwords. Do you have a webmail portal? Do you have a SharePoint portal? Do you have something externally facing maybe for your developers that is as bridge over to your live environment? What is externally facing? What's out there? Catalog them, particularly catalog anything with regard to email, your Office 365, um, using MFA and things like that. What protections do you have there? Implement a system where any user can say anything if they see something that's just odd. My personal theory is I would rather look at 98 false positives than to dismiss the two that are legitimate attacks. Um, this may be a monitoring right. in your sock. If you're a small organization, you may have somebody that has a fondness for this thing. For many organizations, I've been the person with a fondness for this thing. I love it when people send me their email and their headers and we break it down, see where it came from. Should you worry about this or not? And, and you want to look at that system, who's going to do it, what, who, that's actionable, and it's being checked regularly. Um, you also want to look at your webmail systems, make sure all your logging is up to date. I've seen, we've had actually had a couple of situations recently where webmail was compromised, but the natting to the internal space, the network access, access translation, address translation, was not set up properly. So we could see this activity, we could see it coming into the organization, but from there it was going, all webmail access was being logged as if it came from a single IP. So at that point, we were not able to see what assets they were assessing internally. Then you want to look and make sure that you, once you've got those logs, can you analyze them? Are you gathering them? Are you holding them? Are you going to be identifying what's happening in your environment, whether it is good activity or bad activity? Absolutely. It, it sounds like, you know, there are a lot of great uh, best practices there that organizations can follow. So, you know, thank you today for giving us some background on 
you know, what BEC is, why it's relevant, why we need to care about it, and, you know, really working through that first bullet of identify. As, as we look forward to, you know, our next podcast, what, what will we, we be talking about next time? What's the uh, second bullet in your model? Uh, the second bullet is protect. What can you do, as I mentioned earlier, MFA, multi-factor authentication, what can you do to protect those assets that you do need to have externally facing? We are following this up with a blog series. Uh, Identify has gotten two blogs because it's fairly lengthy. Protect has one so far. So anybody, the question that came to me personally is what if people that are new to security, they're going to read the NIST model, they're going to read this checklist, and they're not quite sure where to go from there. So what we did is we broke it down a little bit. We made it a little more granular. And we gave you some talking points that you can take if you're the person that does understand it, but maybe needs to justify implementations of some of these things to your upper management, gives you some talking points to talk about to them that are maybe a little less technical. Absolutely. And, you know, there's certainly a lot of meat there. I uh, have recently heard that the best way to end a podcast or a chapter of a book or really any bit of content is with a with a cliffhanger. And I think you've certainly done that. Uh, a lot to be excited um, for for the next episode of this podcast series. But uh, again, thanks for your time, Lisa. We'll catch you next time. Great. Thank you. If you do want to check out the blog post or any of our other information, visit stateofsecurity.com. And we'll keep that post up. We'll keep all the posts together and chained together as the series progresses. Fantastic. Thank you, Lisa. Great. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Enjoy the podcast. Want to talk a little bit more to our team? Feel free to reach out to us at info at microsolve.com. That's I-N-F-O at M-I-C-R-O-S-O-L-V-E-D.com. Thanks again and bye-bye.